Hey guys, this is Robert Segovia, uh, and you're listening to Leading the Blind with Ariel Norman and Brett Pavort. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Robert Segovia's, and that's also my Instagram handle. Uh, and enjoy the episode. It doesn't. I don't know what I'm doing ever in those moments. I just, um, I just have been faking it for nearly four years. Um, so I don't think I'm fooling time. anyone that I know what to do with. Oh, uh, with the microphone, microphone stand. Oh, uh, there's, 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 there's def- so many different kinds. There's uh, definite times when I'm like, this isn't working. I don't know what I I'm doing. Just feel like every. I hate. Just like they hate leaving the uh, any kind of conversation. Like leaving the stage, you got to simultaneously deal with a physical object. And get gracefully try to be like bye. Yeah. uh, It is kind of the worst. Yeah. I mean, the beginning and the end are are always like you think about those two things a lot. But the beginning is easier because people don't necessarily even remember it afterward. Like if if I have a great set, but I fumble with the mic stand and it's slightly awkward, then it could ruin the whole thing. I literally I did that at a show on tour where. I had a set and the end was bad. Like the just the last, not even the last joke, but like the just the mic. There's the dismount. Yeah, the last half of the joke. Oh, and it made me. Well, that is kind of the point that matters the most. No, no, I, no. <laughs> just yes. the punchline was the bad. point. The point. Yeah, no. The point was like, yeah, no. It matters the most of the most because right. it's the last one. And in my head, though, it made it feel like half the set was bad. Right. And then I record my set, so I listen to it. I was like, no, it's literally this last joke. They were really into it until the very end. But that doesn't mean that any of those people will not remember not liking you. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. But it does definitely. It's the wor- it's the worst joke not to work. Yeah. Is the li- no, yeah. is the it's literal the last thing is the literal well, last I feel thing like, you're saying. Because I feel like even if you are just crushing it. And then just something weird and awkward happens at the end, like like the joke just doesn't land quite as well as it yeah. should, and or then you're fumbly with, and then you feel you're even fumblier because your last joke didn't hit the way that obvi- you clearly were moving the mic stand for your closer. They clearly did not think that was your closer, and then so so I feel like that audience, even if they remember that they liked all your jokes, they still feel like awkward around you. They're not going to come up as much and be like, Hey, yeah, I don't know. I mean, people came up and said, great set. I, I think comics perception of it is much worse. I think I read a lot into what audience members (laughs) thoughts are. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's a good, that's a good question. I don't really know what the, I've always argued with myself. What's the most important part of a set, like a 
20 minute or a 10 minute set like is it the middle because in the middle if they're really really laughing do they really remember before and after that you know no i think it's all about the end yeah unfortunately people care about that money shot i don't know what i'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i honestly have seen though people stop telling jokes and do something very awkward at the end because they're messing with the microphone and not even attempting a joke Mm -hmm. and i don't think that i thought oh their whole set was bad yeah or people just that or just walk off like they don't yeah. say goodbye or anything. They just tell their last joke. And yeah, they just if leave. there's one comic who does that, it's like okay. And if it works for them, yeah. But if it's it becomes a trend in a city, which it was for a minute here. Oh no, I think it's gotten rooted out, thankfully. But it was a trend for a minute where like a number of comics were doing that. And it's like yeah, that's not like just an acceptable one of the acceptable yeah. ways to do it. Well, it's like uh, when you're angling out of a conversation, like you're in a conversation, but yeah. you know you're you're at the end of the time limit for the conversation. And you start like angling your body 45 yeah. degrees. <laughs> An Irish goodbye this yeah. conversation. Even <laughs> but though you can all see me leave. Yeah, odd stage. There's no graceful way to do that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. There's no grace. I don't think there's a graceful way, even if everything goes well. I think it's. <laughs> I'm just, I'm grace is a, a myth. Pu- what about a puff of smoke? Would yeah, that that's work? what I. W- that would be great. Actually, a little showmanship. Yeah, you just, just throw like, down. Yeah, smoke bombs. you just get a laugh and then a smoke, and then they won't see me fumbling with. Oh my god, that's I, such I, a great answer. I just yeah, solved they, it for you. They right? should I'm, start doing that at the coven. You know? That's not illegal. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it works until that one time the sprinkler system goes off. (laughs) Then you're just like. It's a violation of. Comics can't use smoke bombs anymore. Yeah. If if there's like no. If it's some kind of vape pen smoke bomb, so there's no like even kind of. It doesn't Bit of. fire in the air what am i trying to say like a spark <laughs> yeah you just like hire two frat bros to stand on the corner and of the stage and just like do away dragon breath <laughs> that would be tight if you got like an extra strength vape pen and two yeah. guys just come okay we have a plan where when we're on tour we have a budget of at least twenty dollars yeah i have to pay each of them five bucks and get some vape pens but um Hey, speaking of being on tour, uh, you just got uh, back from the Send the Fascist Hell tour. Right? Yeah, me and Avery Moore, we went, uh, we toured the South. Um, we got to go to cities like Atlanta and New Orleans. It was great. How long was that? It was about a week, so it was seven days, okay. uh, pretty much straight up. We had a kickoff, so if you count the kickoff, it's eight days, but seven yeah. seven days on the road. So what was your, Let's let's do this. Did you make any money? Let's not let's not count what you spend in gas and things. But did you just? You know, oh grow, yeah, grow I mean, like we had some merch. The merch definitely paid for itself. We like were positive on the merch even nice. in the tour. Um, I actually we were tracking the gas, just specifically mm-hmm. the gas, um, with what we were actually making at the door. And I don't know because. Avery and I haven't like powwowed back and gone. Oh, how much did the gas cost? How mm-hmm. much did, did we make at the door? Um, but yeah, we definitely did it as a sort of starter to see if we it was possible to make money. It's okay. not like our goal was to make money, but it was definitely like, how do we do this better next time? Gotcha. So we could make money. But yeah, some places, um, you know, you you can make a pretty good amount of money. Yeah, and you were staying with friends that whole time too. Yeah, we didn't we didn't stay anywhere um, that we had to pay for. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, that would be. It's that's some big time shit. Not staying with friends while you're on quote unquote tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're playing, I One mean, we, day we'll have a hotel. <laughs> well, especially if you're just playing like alt 
rooms and that's what we were doing so so did you so were all of the shows uh shows that y'all booked or were or like or were were some of them just shows that you were jumping on in in other towns i think they were all pre-booked we kind of thought about it for a very very long time um i mean i think avery first asked me if i wanted to go on tour like in april or Mm -hmm. march and i think we were supposed to go with another comic in the summer and that kind of fell through and then I kind of, at the end of this, or maybe the middle of the summer, I was like, do you still want to do this, but just later? And she was like, yeah. And then that's when I started to book shows. Um, and then Avery kind of on the back end helped, you know, just kind of with some gaps. So when you're booking shows, um, how are you finding places? Well, I mean, some of it was easier because I have a pretty good relationship with comics in especially in Louisiana, because mm-hmm. I've just have done that. Uh, really, the only n- new, new place we were doing was Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So that was just really, honestly, comics who had done either my show or Avery's show from Atlanta, trying to figure out comics from here that are from Atlanta. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a few of those, and just kind of, it's like detective work. It's like, what... Where have people done a show before? like that yeah it's just like what's the best night to do a show mm-hmm. the point of the trip really was atlanta because we'd both never been and we mm. were just like we've heard it's a good comedy scene and that was kind of our we knew that was our endpoint destination but what night are you going to do it where it would be good and you might actually get paid a little bit were you in atlanta for one or two nights two or? nights so where did you wind up performing we performed at wonder comedy on friday okay and thursday we actually which was weird. So this is what happens when you try to book a tour. We got Wonder Comedy really early on. And we're yeah. like, oh, this is a great show. Uh, everybody's telling us to book the show so that we feel good about that. And then the Thursday before, which was our other day in Atlanta, I I guess they just didn't really have a show. Like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like they didn't want to give us a show. There were people reaching out to me like, we would totally give you a show. We right, just don't. Just any. And then our friend Olive uh, Lynch, who's very, very funny, um, right at the end was like, oh, I'm going to do a Halloween show on that Thursday and call okay. it Halloweenies. <laughs> and so we got to do this show in this old hotel ballroom, which was really, nice. really cool show. But that was just like, that was definitely the date that we were like kind of sweating mm-hmm. the whole time until about a month before the tour. But the Wonder Comedy show is a show that just happens there that they have? Yeah, so that's okay. a, yeah, that's like a monthly show. I think my experience with it, and there definitely was... um when we were like already booked the tour, there were other shows that like, oh, you guys should have come on a Monday or you should right, come on, you know, like, you know, and, and it's like, oh, well, if we would have known that, that, you know, that sort of thing. But Wonder Comedy kind of reminds me of Sure Thing. Mm-hmm. That's the best uh, descriptor. I mean, some people would say like punch, but I think it's kind of not in a club. It's like in a preschool. Uh. But there was definitely a comic there from Atlanta that was like, oh, I'm here for my friend because this is his first time on Wonder Comedy. So it was like a big deal. It was like it was like one of those things. It was like it felt like it was kind of like the alt show that you wanted to be on. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. There's also that star bar show on Mondays. If you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, we didn't. That was funny because our friends in Houston did that show. And then we had already booked the whole tour. And then they were like, you should do star bar. And we're like, too late because <laughs> Next we were time, it's fine. yeah because you can't we, plan the whole thing around a monday yeah yeah i mean it, it is like you never know a lot mm-hmm. of times until you're in the city and like like i couldn't i mean this is kind of a little bit of a tangent but i couldn't find 
a show in Birmingham to save my life. Like I just, I really tried. Yes. And then I was in Atlanta or it might've been New Orleans or Atlanta. And they were like, oh, I have these contacts. Mm. But I was, I had to do a show there to get to that, con- <laughs> to get that contact. Um, you should have asked me, but vast <laughs> Ariel. Um, but that's always the case. So, so, but you said you were splitting the door at some places. Like, did y'all organize your own shows at any of these? Places? Oh no, that's a good yeah. So I think we probably will in the future. We talked about that a little bit, but this time no. Uh, these were promoters, and they had their own door splits, okay. and and it really is like some people really think about that, and you're really thankful when they do, and you definitely mm-hmm. make more money when that happens, and some promoters don't think about that at all right. you know there's different and there's levels in between right you know so but y'all were able to sell some merch yeah i mean it was pretty uh, shirts no we have tote, tote bags. bags oh so we had, right. yeah we were trying to get the pi- price point um so it wasn't like 15 or 20 dollars yeah um i think we'll definitely if we do it again we'll definitely probably do shirts uh but we just wanted to, like, we just didn't know, you know, like, what's important? Is, like, the price point important or is, like, we, we just, it, honestly, it's, like, a whole new world, so. Were the tote bags $10? They were $10. Yeah, it does feel like if it's $10, that might, yeah, if things past 10 it seems hard to get people to buy, but. Yeah, I mean, I think there was debate and uh, before to sell it for less, and honestly, the price point wasn't. The problem, the pri- the the problem was to get people to actually consider it. You do have yeah. to do some selling. It's I think. got a very interesting image on it that yeah. needs some explanation maybe yeah. for people to be on board. And I think when sometimes when you give the explanation, oh, just to say what is on yeah. there is like it's me and Avery. We're demons. Uh, my crotch is eating a Klansman. Right. It's also your crotch is your own face. And my crotch is my own yeah. face. And Avery is uh, spearing a Klansman. Mm-hmm. Um, the art was made by Aaron Noah, who's like a kind of a wonder. We actually stayed with him in Atlanta. And he's kind of a wonder genius kid. And um, But you do, like Brett says, have to explain it. When we explain it, sometimes people would be like, oh, I'm buying that now. Yeah. You know, they would be like, they would, they look like people who weren't going to buy the tote bag. And then you explain the tote bag and they're in. Yeah, but I think we learned a lesson of just like maybe make it a little bit more generic, mm. so like people will just be like you know, you know, they it, it doesn't have to be a piece of comedy merch. They yeah. would just just be into it anyway. Yeah, just something with a funny tagline or just yeah, general enough so it applies to them. Yeah, yeah, like when Maria Bamford sells shirts, it's always something that anyone would want. And then there's like there's very little reference to her, you know, or maybe in the corner. And I think that kind of helps. You want it to feel like just something that is reflective of your personality. I can't remember because I, I even bought one or two of her shirts. I never buy anything like straight off the internet. I bought these shirts, but it was like it said something that I agreed with. Yeah, I think that yeah. that's what it is. I we talked to some somebody uh, that was really or, I think it was Wonder Comedy that was really organized, and they had like a merch table, and mm-hmm. they were just like they were talking about one comic who had a really cool image and couldn't sell anything. And they were talking about another comic, like you're saying, that had this sort of a generic phrase yeah. that everyone could agree with. And they were just selling like hotcakes. Yeah. You know, and People that, don't really want your art on their shit. Yeah, I just don't... I, yeah, it, it sucks <laughs> it to say. Out, but yeah, yeah, I just think it's like the more unique it is, the harder it's going to be for people to get on board with yeah, it. Yeah, I think about Larry Garza in San Antonio. He has um, a joke that's like, it's something like, you know, there's like happy wife, happy life, 
and his he has this thing about like happy wife she's not going to stab you with a knife or something it's something like that happy wife no no wife with knife whatever <laughs> no knife <laughs> what, what happy is, wife no knife happy knife no knife 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 yeah um, <laughs> I think we all need to look up Larry Garza and say <laughs> it like, whatever it is he, his is catchy and makes sense with the rhythm scheme and so but he has those shirts but like so many people identify with that yeah, yeah. Um, and it's ways probably to like expand your market too because then people might buy the shirt and then they find out about your comedy later and they're like, they're like oh that's what it's from Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that having a little bit of allure, like a little bit of mis- mystery and intrigue, um, like something cool. Yeah, and then if someone a- you not, maybe don't even put your name or Twitter, and then if someone asks them about it, yeah, then they're gonna be like, oh yeah, so that's a great comic. Yeah. I mean, that's a fantasy that people are gonna. Well, <laughs> yeah. even just a little image, because you know you'll have yeah. the T-shirt, and then it's like, well, how did you get that T-shirt? And right. even like you said, if it's like a little Maria Bamford in the corner, it's still yeah, there. Yeah, just a little, like the icon, like on your left breast area, yeah. or just like a little picture of your face. Yeah, instead of a penguin or. But I do eagle. think it's. A oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Cool that you used a, a friend of yours to do the art. And it is like a really cool design. Oh, the art's the amazing. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the art. I honestly think it's more of our tour name was like <laughs> very sort yeah. of like, you know, convoluted and, and which I love our tour name, but it was, it was definitely like from this place of very sort of specific, you know. How did that come about? What was the conversation to be like, oh, it's this Infectious to Hell tour? Uh, I think Avery was, <laughs> honestly, Avery was like, uh, what do you want to call the tour? Uh, she was messaging me on Facebook and I was just like, fuck, fuck, fuck Trump or something like that. I was just very angry by something he did uh, or fuck, fuck, fuck fascist. I said something like that. Um, like fun, fun, fun fest. Yeah. But yeah. With, fuck, fuck, fuck fascist. Yeah. <laughs> and Avery was just like maybe less, uh, you know, curse words. Curse then. words. Yeah. And then, and then it was like, we just started playing around with like what it was. Originally we wanted to call it even a longer title, which was uh, this, Avery and Robert, Avery Moore and Robert Segovia's Send the Fascist to Hell Tour of the South, <laughs> which we just thought would be funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, I think... The tote bag ran out of space. Yeah, we just yeah. ran... Yeah, I mean, we're... Yeah. Price, so, price per letter. Yeah, yeah. Too high. The telegraph rules. Uh, you know, I, I also think with tote bags, and I don't know, I always try to use mm, how I would react to stuff as a good gauge, which often is not a good gauge because I don't think the way that other people do, but... I feel like tote bags, like, does anybody really want another tote bag in their life? Don't we all, like, wind up with tote bags? Speaking as someone who works at Whole Foods and how many people buy the bags, even though we give bags for free. It's not that they don't own a tote bag. They didn't bother putting a tote bag in their car. Yeah, well, I would say that, um, I don't want to get too much into the demographics, but it is very sort of... In college towns, we sold more tote bags. Interesting. You know, yeah, they don't have any totes yet. Yeah. yeah. Like, As you uh, get older, you acquire more totes. Yeah, I have too many totes. Too I got many, koozies and totes too, coming out of my ass at this Be point. in the home and barter for them for cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, it's it's there definitely was like age and gender and like That's interesting. socioeconomic. I mean, we didn't do a study on that, but <laughs> I mean, you could you, tell people, some people were like really excited that there was a tote bag. That's funny. And some people were like, I don't buy tote bags. Right. Well, that's what's so hard is that like fronting all the money for it, like you can't really have 17 different options. Yeah. But you I mean, have to pick one or two. The, but the cool thing about this is that we, now we have this image. Mm-hmm. We can make more if we need more. Yeah. And so now we, 
the upfront cost wasn't that high to begin with because we got friends and all that stuff, but it's almost zero now. And so we have that stove bag forever. Even though this tour is over, like if we go on tour again and we decide for the next tour we're going to have a t-shirt, we'll still have the tote bag. And so you're slowly building up your So you didn't put 2017 on it. We did, but I don't think that matters. I mean, it might not, but I—that's I, something I thought about yeah. after doing my tours. Like, you know what? Just don't put the year on it because. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely when I saw it, I was like, maybe. We, but I honestly, there are going to be like, if one of us gets super famous, yeah, um, now it's vintage. nostalgia factor. Yeah, yes. then they'll be like, oh, I can still get Special that toe back from when you first did this dumb tour idea that you yeah. did, and now it's. I'm saying, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, there but. You go. But I, I don't think it's like people are not going to go, oh, it sucks that it says 2007. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. I don't know. Though. And whatever you don't sell, maybe you like sell at a discounted price. Yeah. There but you, you have your updated merch and then you have like old merch and you're like, hey, but if you want to get this tote, it's this like vintage tote. Vintage tote. Vintage circa $8, $8 this year. <laughs> $8. Yeah. Slightly used. It's the only thing in this economy getting less expensive. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. For inflation, it's now $11, the one from 2017. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, if we, you know, like, I think we've sold about half of them. And if you, if you're like, uh, even if we run out and then we're like, well, we're not going to put 2017 on those. Yeah. You know, that makes those tote bags different. You know, I mean, it's all sort of, I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question, but it's an interesting, it's fun kind of to figure that out. Just to, just to throw shit at the wall. Um, so this was a week long. You said you made some money at, at like from just being paid from the shows. Yeah. I mean, it varied. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I mean, but, but none of them were shows that, cause that seems like the way that like people when you're really making money besides like working at the clubs, yeah. um, are, or are like booking their own shows at a rock club or something and then like doing a door split or a, what well, we get the door, you get the bar. Um, and so like, I feel like if you really wanted to tour and make money, on on your own yeah you ha- kind of have to do that unless your merch game is rock solid yeah so i would say to your point i think after the tour too one of the thoughts i had and i think we might have even talked about it was especially in smaller towns you can kind of do that yeah like we've Birmingham, done like maybe, yeah like even. i've i've done comedy in baton rouge and lafayette enough that if I took someone else i would feel comfortable a with the people that could help me produce the show yeah and like be just that people would come out because they would come out to a special event i think that would be harder in a place like new orleans or atlanta yes you got to do it in small small yeah yeah because it would just be why wouldn't we just go to the great show that's already happening this night yeah you go to a town where there's not much happening they don't have a lot of options for entertainment and then they might come out to this weird show yeah and i I think around i mean i think though that that's like it really i mean to me it's like we'll do this more and hopefully it'll work or, you know, in some capacity, I hope to do it more. And it's like, I think at the end of the day, it's probably what would be cool is like a mixture of, you could do some clubs, but also some alt rooms, but also some shows you're doing yourself, Totally, you know, and then you, you make it work. And what you're really, by adding those smaller towns, what you're really cutting down on is drive time. Right, yeah. So that you way you can go two to three hour drives instead of ever doing long ones. Yeah, and we definitely did some long ones now, partially because we wanted to do two nights in Atlanta, two nights in New Orleans, and that's just going to yeah. cause it to be longer. But I think in the future, it's like, I'm I'm from Beaumont, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, or that area. 
I don't know. They have enough people to have a show every once in a while, mm-hmm. but I don't know anything about their comedy scene. Like, yeah, just, I don't think just, there really is one. There isn't one, but there was a you know there wasn't one in Lafayette. But a, you know our friend, my friend JP Leonard, yeah, and some other people Started made one. one. You yeah. know, and so that, I think that's possible in some of these places that have like, you know, three hundred thousand to five, a half a million people in the area, and you're like, what what's going on here? You know? Yeah, for sure. Cool. So is there anything else that you feel like you learned? Um, I don't I mean, I think that I learned from the tour. I think the drive, I think mentioning that is super important. Like I think, you know, as fun as it was to be in New Orleans for 2 days and Atlanta for 2 days, I think if I had to do it again, I would just book more places mm-hmm. and split up the drive a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I did like about specific scenes kind of learn you know, like some of the stuff you've already said, like, should we start, should we do our own show here? Should we really be specific about, I don't want to be on a show with seven comics. Um, Avery and I can do, you know, Avery can do probably an hour at this point and I can do 20, 25 minutes. So like, like we can do a majority of the time and then have a couple of comics open for us. And that just makes the door split even more advantageous so it's just stuff like that it's just sort of logistical the tour was great i mean the shows were fun we didn't really have any sort of bummer shows which is cool people came out um but i think yeah just some of that stuff is um like the, the logistical stuff of how could we make um these every one of these days make a certain amount of money and it'd be interesting to know too like and we just really haven't gotten together and figured this out like how much money do you need on every day to break even like what's that number and like and trying to book towards that number well and the other thing is like are you breaking even with like gas and 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 food and sundries or are you breaking even with how much money you would be making at your day job yeah i think you know what i mean i think those are two totally different steps i'm worried about step one (laughs) yeah (laughs) before we get to step two uh but i do think the food thing is an interesting thing too because People don't think about food, but like with gas, I have a pretty fuel efficient car. And with staying places, I can stay with friends. Um, I know enough people and Avery knows enough people. Um, We could stay, we could stay different places. Food, I think is is like, that is the thing that costs you a lot of money that you don't even think about. Because I used to be like in a rock band and um, I remember one of my friends opened for, I'm going to forget their name, but they were a bigger sort of... Pink Floyd? Or? No, no. Um, Thunderbolt. Okay. Is that right? Thunderbolt. Uh, which is like a mid-level like touring band. It's a two-piece band. And they said they went on tour with them and they realized that those guys were just eating spaghetti. Yeah. And just eating... You know, they were just eating very sort of basic food. Yeah. And ramen a, noodles. Ramen and- noodles. And we didn't take food into account because it was... You know, we weren't going... It's a week anyway. Yeah. We weren't yeah. going full bore. But I do think that that is when you're thinking about a tour and can I make money on this tour? I think a lot of people yes. don't think about food. And well, that is a pretty expensive thing. It's honestly really easy not to spend money on food, uh, but it's it's even easier to spend money on food. So it depends. Like if you're a foodie and you know that you're going to be in a city you've never been in and you're not going to be able to resist going to some good restaurants, or you know, like you do have to account. But anybody who doesn't want to spend money, it's not that hard to get stuff that's easy to eat, that's easy to pack, that doesn't need you know refrigeration, and just think about that ahead of time. But if you don't think about it ahead of time, 
you're going to wind up making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and there's also grocery stores everywhere. Yeah, there's grocery so, stores everywhere. So, like, and there's free food too. sometimes at shows, which is always... Yeah, and there's also, you have... I mean, we definitely had this, where we had friends offer us stuff, and they would just be like, well, can I help you in any way? Yeah. And I don't think before, until we're having this conversation, so that's why this conversation is good, I didn't go... Oh, you know what? When I'm in town, can you take me to dinner? Yeah, or just you know, do well, like, cook, cook me dinner or cook me dinner, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is. You know, yeah. like I have friends in New Orleans that are part of restaurants. So yeah. I mean, you could you could set that up. You know, if 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 they can't, you know, if you have three people in a town that want you to stay with them, mm-hmm. and you only can stay one place because you're only in one place. I would love to come over for dinner sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would love to eat lunch. I'm going to be yeah. in the town during the day. You yeah, know? yeah. It always helps to rely on the kindness of friends. And oh, well, strangers, yeah. friends, strangers, everybody. Strangers, friends, anyone who can help. New friends, acquaintances. <laughs> yeah. When, when Katie and I were doing our tour together last year, we like saved up a lot of it. Like I just, at Juiceland for months, would use my little allotted money to be like, here's some kale chips, so we'll have some vegetables, and here's nuts and things. And we just saved up like all the random foods, and then, you know, and ter- but it, like, it became something where it was like, we really wanted to always like have some desserts or like some meat. And so you just like, we really had to think about because I have this mentality of, oh, I'll just eat whatever. Yeah. Um, it'll be fine as long as I'm getting calories. There'll be free food sometimes. I'll eat nuts. But, you know, especially if you're with someone else, then it becomes a thing. It's easier if it's yourself to just be like, I'll just eat granola bars. Yeah. But if there's another person, it's, yeah. it becomes a weird thing of like, we really want meat. Should, we, know, go or chocolate. should we go out? Yeah. Should we go? Do you want to go out? Do you? I mean, we can spend I mean, money. We, uh, you know. I don't know. I want dessert. Do you want dessert? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I feel like every, I mean, this is not even a tour thing, but every relationship I've ever been in, you do find at one point, like a year or a year and a half in, that you're just like, oh, we both have bad eating habits, <laughs> but they're different. And it's so now making, we have all of the bad yeah, habits. Yeah, now we have all of the bad habits. Like, yeah. I, may, I may be good at portion control, but I eat garbage. And you're not good at portion control, but yeah. you eat well. And, and I don't want to, like, kill your vibe, and you don't want to kill mine. So yeah. we're just eating a lot uh, of garbage. Yeah, we're just eating a lot of garbage. I feel like I've had that sort of conversation and thought. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's kind of a microcosm when you're on tour with somebody, and you don't, you definitely don't, you're going to have to be in a car with them, so you don't want it to be... You know, angriness all the time. Yeah, and it wasn't. I mean, I'm not saying that ours was ours was great. I mean, Avery and I are very, very personality wise similar. Mm-hmm. We like the same music. We like to drink about the same amount. We're uh, we're kind of insane, but we're also like out of out of shape. So we're tired. We get tired <laughs> easy, which I think is a good combination. We're sure. just like, oh, we have to go home now. Yeah. Um. You know, we we like we went to a graveyard in Atlanta that was like what we thought would be fun. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, we listened to the Eagles for like four hours, you know, like there's things on tour when you're touring with somebody, there's just like compatibility yeah. sort of like, do we like the, do, are we into the same things? Are we going to, you know, is one of us going to play some music and it's going to annoy the crap yeah. out of someone Tasting else? Yeah. music's big for touring partners. Yeah. Especially when you're in such a confined space as a right. car, right? Yeah. Like, tears families apart all the time (laughs) indeed all right cool well the sin fascist to hell tour did you did y'all talk about um politics much in the tour in the tour um i mean we have i mean we both have some vague jokes about politics but i think it was a little tongue-in-cheek it wasn't like we're gonna like try to change only do trump jokes yeah i mean we both aren't i mean i am 
interested in politics. I have like a podcast about politics, but I not really like in my comedy. I, I have a rare joke every once in a while that's about politics, but it's not really what I'm interested in talking about. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we, yeah, we're, it's not, we're not out there. We're not, um, the politically reactive duo. We're just, we're just like kind of going and we're just goofs yeah. and talking about, especially doing a tour along the South, you know, mm-hmm. if you did like a very politically focused thing, there is, and especially in a city, you don't know what the like demographics are. Like it could be some hostile audiences. Yeah. I, I think honestly, I think though the town, I mean the shows we're doing, I mean, those are liberal. I mean, right. I don't think those, I think those people would be fine with those jokes. It's just, I think both Avery and I, you know, I mostly am uh, talking about like my vacation or food or like pop culture. Avery's very heavily on pop culture yeah. and just like sort of the absurd absurdness of pop culture. We're just not yeah. political comics, you know. Yeah, weirdly, those cities in the South are almost more um, like sensitively liberal than like Austin is more sensitively liberal than Boston is I've noticed but um, Nashville is more sensitive than Austin because they're really surrounded by conservatism whereas we have a big city of lots of liberal people and and other Mm -hmm. cities that are fairly liberal like those places if anything would be very open I feel like to political jokes that are anti all the other yeah I mean I think the only I mean Atlanta was more similar to Austin than I thought it would be, and it may be just the crowds we played for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other cities, I mean, the Louisiana cities, Houston, they're very sort of body and like yeah. they like to you know they like you know silliness and stuff like that. They're not really they're not re- really there for sort of a discussion about yeah. specific <laughs> political whatever. Yeah. Weird. Well, let's talk about your politics podcast. Right. Um, what's it called? It's called the Political Confusion Podcast. I like that. What's the? Can you give us a description? Well, my friend uh, Malia Moss. Uh, I guess we had talked about politics a lot, and she'd ask me questions, and I would kind of talk about it. And she wanted a podcast where she would just ask me a question every week, and then I would try to explain it to her because she doesn't. I, she just doesn't pay attention. I to was it. giving it a listen before this interview, and it was just really relatable because i'm i'm a very young slash ignorant person some would say that's the same thing but (laughs) i was listening to the podcast and it's just really refreshing because malia is just like hey yeah no i don't know what this even means or like where to start here like what's going on yeah i mean i it's 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 really it's her concept it's a really interesting concept of just like how do we talk about this? How do I get to the level of knowledge that I need to even talk about this? Yeah. Because a lot of times when you're doing like, you're talking on the internet or whatever about politics, it's like even people who are professing themselves to be sort of like really smart. I mean, I I know that there's like so many comics that are, they'll, (laughs) they'll like post this long thing about their political opinion. And then like three days later, it'll be like, oh, I was wrong about that. And I didn't even know. And it's like, I, I think a lot of ours is just like a conversation. You don't have to be right. It's not like we're getting all the statistics right or anything like that. But just like what we let's get to the point where we can actually talk about this. And it like we're we're on the same playing field. And I, you know, just because you don't know anything about it doesn't mean you can't have an opinion. So yeah. do you find that you're able to um, readily answer all of her questions? Or is there also a lot for you of like, uh, let me look that up. Well, you know, you know, I don't really look anything up on the podcast, and I think it's because 
I think there's a lot, if you want to listen to a podcast where people have an insightful, you know, NPR, whatever, like point by point on the, mm-hmm. like the last episode was about the Mueller indictment or mm-hmm. whatever. There are podcasts you can listen to where they'll go, well, this is what these indicted for, blah, 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 yeah. blah. I am more just like, we're talking literally about the politics. Like, what's going to happen? Like, if if um, Paul Manafort, which he was indicted, is indicted, what does that mean for Trump? Okay. Does that mean he's out of office? Does that mean what? You know, it's answering sort of like, why do politicians do what they do? Why does John McCain vote? You know, like, what are the reasons? You know, why do people vote the way they do? You know, and it's not like we have the perfect answer or anything, but it's more of just the why instead of the what. Yeah, you're coming, you're having a conversation where you're being honest about what you do and don't know, which I think is valuable in today's day. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, there's, there's definitely some questions. I think that one, the Mueller indictment, I was like, I don't really, I'm not (laughs) following it, you know, because it's not, it just isn't something that I, I, I just didn't think it was like, who cares until he indicts someone. Yeah. You know, so I wasn't following the investigation. Right. Know, so. Gotcha. And how long have y'all been doing that podcast? Um, About two or three months, I think at this point. So we're just kind of, we, we kind of slow rolled it and we just like at first, you know, kind of a soft opening and we're just, honestly, it's, it's kind of a fun exercise just to do with your friend. Totally. And like, it's more of just like, there's so, and also I think it's a good time to do it because there's just so much. I mean, you could have you could, we we could have three subjects a week, yeah, just on what dumb thing Trump might want to do. Um, but it it's it is complex. I think that's the thing too is like people want it to be simple, um, and we kind of just say take one little part of it, yeah, and then talk about it. You know, instead of like you have to talk about all of it, we're like. Here's, you know, yeah, it's not just headlines. Yeah, it's like we're going to just talk about uh, voting or, you know, like, and that's all we're going to talk about. And we're not going to talk about anything else. So cool. And do you think about this podcast or any ideas of having a future podcast where that could be something that helps your stand up career? Uh, I don't know. That's a weird question. Again, I just don't think I'm a very political, like, Mm -hmm. I listen to politically reactive, uh, which is, you know, um, Kamal Bell and Hari. Um, and I just don't like, they're political comedians. I mean, mm-hmm. you see them do comedy or Lewis black. And it's like, I don't think there's, there's not been many times when I've been like interested enough about politics to make a joke about it. Gotcha. You know, like maybe it's, I just think about it too much, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, like it's too, too, too much or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that's not the thing that goes, Oh, that's weird. I never with politics. I'm never like, Oh, that's weird. And that's usually how I start a premise of a joke. Cause like, right. well, that's a strange thing, you know? Well, politics also just requires you to be so topical and then you have to like write new jokes and throw them away all the time, Yeah, which just always seems a little headachey for me right now. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people uh, have a bad vision of those comics, and I think it's because it's hard. Yeah, like I, I say, si- yeah, they should have a lot of respect. Because I like watch that stuff, and I'm just like, wow, I would just mu- you know much rather tell my really dumb Fast and Furious joke than this. Yeah. You know, like I don't like <laughs> this seems like such a harder dismount than my you know yeah. stupid you know pun joke that I just told. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's just like it. It's Politics has the thing, the double whammy of being very hard to explain and people aren't thinking about it all the time. Whereas like 
for instance, like like people's sex life is very hard to explain, but people are thinking about it all the time. Yeah. So it's a, it's like everybody relates to it, even if it's like you have to do a little bit of explaining on the ins and outs of it. Like everybody if relates to it, yeah, <laughs> if you will. Cool. All right. What was the other thing that you wanted to ask Robert about? I don't know. I was just uh, because you are such a like you're one of the more like articulate or I guess like well-versed people about political humor. Like how do you feel about, I guess SNL and late night television? <laughs> I know uh, it's a very like common like kind question. Of a broad, broad question. Oh, you mean, you mean like, uh, yeah, with their, I mean with their Trump material, because for me it feels like they're not telling me something that I don't already know. Like I feel like the joke is always that he's orange, that he has small hands and things like that. But when, yeah. how much political capital is within doing that for forever? What? Uh, you're, I think what you're, uh, <laughs> I'm a little confused too, <laughs> but I, the question you heard. Yeah. yeah uh, I think, <laughs> I think what you're asking is just sort of like SNL has done politics since the beginning. Yes. And they, and again, I think it's like, it's very similar in my mind to like telling dick jokes. Like, there's a basic way you can tell very generic sort of political jokes yeah. and they're always going to work. If you do an impression of a president, it's probably going to be funny. You know, like it just is, you know, they all have their, their human beings and they all have mm -hmm. their sort of idiosyncrasies and you can find a way for that to be funny. Um, but I just, yeah, I mean, I just think they're doing sort of what they've always done, which is sort of the lowest level of political humor. Mm. And I think a lot of people get mad. I think this, I get in arguments uh, with some other people about this, but I really think they're doing parody. And when people think that they're doing satire, they get really upset and they're just mocking, you know, they're just mocking what's happening. They're not trying to get you to like a deeper revelation about yeah. politics. There's other people who do that. Great. Right. But again, I think that's, I don't know that you could do it on a show like SNL. That's very sort of so mainstream. Popular. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, I think that's 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 probably right. It's, it's almost always parody and not satire. Yeah. I think it, I mean I think I, there were moments, yeah. especially in a couple of last elections, where it became satire. Yeah, but yeah. everyone was just kind of on board with that enough. Um, but yeah, I'm not saying they never do satire, but I think a lot of times when you're like you read some internet piece about how angry they are about SNL, it's usually because they are confusing to me parody and satire. And I think some people believe that they're the same. Because I've talked to well, these here, people on the internet. Let's let's model this after your podcast. Then give us a definition of parody and satire. Well, to me, uh, like I'm gonna get killed for this, but uh, <laughs> to me, like parody is just mimicry. You know, like it's just like if you think about like um, certain Mel Brooks movies. You know, like you know Men in Tights, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's a parody of that. He's not trying to say something deeper right. about. Uh, Robin Hood right. and like it's social place whereas um, let's do another Mel Brooks movie Blazing Saddles is an actual satire He's, so to me you can have parody and satire but it takes like a next step to do satire you have to actually be saying something right. about something um, yeah cool excellent super, well super thank easy. you for answering the question yeah. I failed to form <laughs> <laughs> no I hope that was close to what no you that wanted. was great <laughs> Uh, hey, how long have you been doing comedy? I have been doing stand-up stand uh, consistently for three and a half years. Um, 
and then I've been I, before that I was doing sketch and improv. So I've been doing comedy for five years. Okay, you started in sketch and improv, and then what made you make the jump to stand up? Mm-hmm. Um, I so I actually did uh, shtick Maggie May's uh, open mic um, before I ever took an improv class. I just did it. I was. Mm-hmm. I started really old. Uh, I was like 31 and I was just like, oh, I need to, I should do this. Yeah. And then I started taking classes and I just stopped. But I would, Kath Barbadoro used to have an open mic at the theater uh, that I did improv and then also a block party. There were two open mics. And so I would just every once in a while do those open mics. So I probably did 10 open mics in two years gotcha. before I really started doing stand up. And I used to book this show. It was like a music and comedy because I used to be in a band. It was a music and comedy show. And the first year I'd asked Rob Gagnon to book the comics because I didn't know any comics. I was just like, I'll book the bands, you book the comics. And the next year I emailed him to like do stand-up again. And he emailed me back and said, you know who should do this show? I can't do the show, but you know who should do it? You, because you're funny. <laughs> um, and, and then there was another friend of mine that, that I tried to get to do the show, another local Austin comic, um, Joe Faina, who moved away. And he w- did the same thing, same email. That's they funny. didn't know that they did it, but Joe Faina was like, I can't do your show, but you know who should do your show? You, because you're funny. That's really funny. I also feel like... That's just a really graceful way. Like, if you're going to bow out of a show, what (laughs) better thing to do than to be like, hey. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was weird. I mean, I, so that, so that was the first part of it, really. And so I was like, oh, shit. So that was like, what year was that? That was like, I don't even know, like three and a half years ago. So do the math. Um, It was 2013 or 2014. And I, so I was like, I had this like little plan. It was 2014. I had this like little plan, and I was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do stand up, you know? I'm gonna fucking do it." And like, I was like, "I'm gonna go to these open mics." I'm making a little gesture. It was like almost like a drumming gesture. It's just like a nerdy. <laughs> I'm gonna be a rock star. Yeah, That's like, how I you know, like in my brain, strap. I had yeah. like oh, or backpack straps, maybe. Yeah, I was just like, Meh. you know, I'm going to school. I'm going to stand up school. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, climb this hill. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. climb this hill. And then I showed it to my friend Roxy Castillo. You showed what now? I was like, I. <laughs> showed the plan i was like show the hand gesture i showed the hand gesture i was i like told her i was like i'm gonna do these open mics and these and she just looked at me and goes robert when you're actually serious about this i will come see you because i wasn't doing enough Mm -hmm. like because you have to do the point of the story is you have to do a lot of open mics yeah especially at the beginning to even be to be talk on stage yeah um and so that was really it was like three people just kicking me in the ass and saying just do it Mm -hmm. you know and so that's how it happened and then did you just kind of shed improv and sketch for the most part you still do some a little i don't do improv that much anymore every once in a while i'll i'll do a show just because it's kind of fun mm-hmm. to do you know i i uh i know there's lots of arguments about improv and stand up but i do think um it is good for you as a human being to totally do. <laughs> even uh, if it's not good for stand-up it's good for you as a human being. yeah i don't yeah it doesn't help my stand-up at all uh, I do write sketches. I don't perform them as much because I, uh, or I haven't, I did a solo show that I thought went pretty well. And I, after that, it took so much work to do that show that really my standup was suffering. Like I wasn't writing mm-hmm. new material and it kind of had to make a little bit of a choice of do I actually want to be any good at this, you yeah. know? Um, 
you know, and so that I love sketch and sometimes I'll have a sketch idea and I'll write it and I'll keep it in my notebook and maybe I'll do one of the local like sandbox or out one of those shows, but that's pretty much my sketch. So yeah, it's pretty much stand up now. It's not, it's kind of a natural thing, but it's pretty much stand up. Yeah. I have this like feeling slash theory that when you start stand up, almost all of us really need to kind of devote ourselves wholly to it for a while and like let, let a lot of any other um, hobbies and pursuits fall away at least for a little while until we can spend the ton of time that we need to on stage and writing jokes and everything, really devoting yourself to it for at least two plus years until you can kind of start branching out on other stuff. Unless you're someone like Christina Parrish, for instance, who can just get on stage and almost naturally be she almost just can be her act well i mean i know, i've known christina for a long time like she was so young when i met her uh she but still is. yeah she still <laughs> and she still is but she definitely like worked at it i mean i, I think it was yeah. like there was definitely she moved to new orleans and when she came back from new orleans i don't know what happened in new orleans but mm. it was just like oh like what you're saying happened you know yeah so i think even these people that were i i do that too where i'm just like Oh, this person's a genius, and they're well. They're, I just—I yeah. don't even mean that. I, not that she's not a genius, but I just mean like I wondered if because she, she's maybe not as writerly as some kind. Like if you're yeah. kind of a writerly comic, oh, okay. you have to do you know just years of like just getting that the the time in. Whereas she seems like someone you know like sometimes she can walk on stage with the tiniest premise of like, I'm going to be in a carrot suit throwing carrots and do that, whatever. And then she can find, you know what I mean? Her and Vanessa Gonzalez, both just like, just the natural demeanor, you know, no matter what you give them, they're going to like take it and work with it. Yeah. But I, yeah, I guess I just don't, I mean, they're both great. And it's definitely like, but like Vanessa, you know, she took theater in college before she was even, you know, how much of that is just sort of, being on stage so much right. that when you finally start doing stand-up, it's like, oh, I just have to worry about the writing. Right. I don't have to worry about any of this other stuff. I guess I just mean, because I'm thinking about both of them, you know, would do sketch and improv. And so it's not that you necessarily have to like quit sketch and improv for two or three years if you want to do stand-up. I just, there's some people who, and yeah, maybe if they've been doing all of that stuff early on, and you know what I mean? Then it just, I it'll yeah. all progress at the same timeline. I agree with you. I definitely see, and I've been this comic too, where I am trying to do all, all of the things mm-hmm. and none of them are good. It just feels <laughs> yeah. like, You know, it, you just can't, you really just, yeah. it's just like. You have like three kids and it's like, you can't, you can only you can't give, love all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not equally. I mean, we all have a favorite, but uh, no, but I mean, it's just like hard because you spend time with one and then you feel like you're neglecting the others and yeah. it's like, yeah, it's it's very hard to navigate all three. Brett, don't you? Uh, you still dabble <laughs> on some of these other children. I know. And Brett I is still like, trying to dabble. I know. I'm like, I yeah, feel like I'm you've been gravitating towards stand up more lately, though. I am. I've started, and like you're saying, I got to that crossroads where I'm like, hey, I feel like my stand up's starting to suffer because I was really focused on putting up this sketch show, Staple Face, which has been an amazing experience. But I'm like, all right. Uh, I think I'm going to have to like take a step back from teaching for her a little bit, take a step back from improv, just focus on sketch and stand up mm-hmm. and like really try and focus on my writing. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. I do. I think there are choices to make for most people. Like I said, maybe there's some people who can do everything all at once, especially if you start when you're 16, 17. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, I also think there's like, some people can really compartment. I, I guess yeah. I think about like Mac Blake a lot because I feel like he, 
really in his head knows like oh this is a sketch or this is a mm. stand-up bit which i always am just like i only i feel like i have a, this amount of fun you know like a, a limited amount you know mm-hmm. and i'm like drilling in the yeah. well and it's like i've started hitting rock yeah. and it's like if i'm spreading <laughs> it everywhere it's just all of it's going to kind of be mediocre because i don't have an unlimited supply of it you know like it kind of builds up so yeah i mean i just for me personally i i found that like i like writing you know the thing that I feel I have to work on with stand-up is always confidence. It's mm-hmm. like, if I'm very confident, then people are like, oh man, you're so funny and confident. But then there's sometimes that I'm still not there and the jokes yeah. are the same, but I'm just not, not selling it. Just not selling it. And so to really work on that, do you really want to do an improv show where you do bad and then your confidence is bad right. and then you lead that into a stand-up show? I think that's a lot of what happened to me and also just the time to write you know you need time to like work on new ideas and go out and that sort of thing that was the thing for me too is i was like well i can't write about things that i haven't experienced and if i'm like trying to keep all these balls in the air i'm not gonna live a life worth telling about yes yeah Yeah. i think there are choices like that but yeah i'm just curious how that experience was for you all right and then you have a day job presumably what's your day job right now I work at, um, I'm a manager for like a tech company. Oh, that seems like a reasonably real job. Well, yeah. you seem really comfortable in those headphones, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is, is there like a flexible schedule? Is it Monday to Friday, Monday to five? What's the deal? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's that. Uh, we I do get a lot of sort of uh, vacation, which is nice. I think mm-hmm. I get more than in other places. And also, again, this is for, uh, to each their own, uh, but I was poor for a very long time when I was in a band. I kind of, a lot of my stand-up friends remind me of me, mm-hmm. <laughs> like trying to live sort of hand to mouth and trying mm-hmm. to live off the next show. And like if they're, and there just was a point in my early thirties where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, yeah. And luckily I have a job that allows me enough vacation time where I can go do Tours. Tours sometimes. and silly things, you know. That's cool. And do you want uh, stand-up to be your career or comedy in some um, way? I think I, I think I want performing to be my career in some way. I think that um, I actually do like touring a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like the rhythm of it totally. and, and sort of it's simplistic. And uh, I also, you know, I miss the one aspect of music that I really miss is making albums and so the equivalent of making albums is like making a show. Well, you you can make an album as a comedian. Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> no, you're yeah, you're, you're it's right. just a it little different. different. Like, an album as a comedian, it's there's a lot of things in stand up that are just totally bizarre to me. Yeah, just kind of my upbringing of just this like we you know like a musician would never go I'm going to be a musician for ten years and then I'm going to put out an album. Right. Like they're going to go I'm going to put out an album after one year and three of the tracks are going to suck. But right. you're on this journey with me. Right. <laughs> you know like that that would be more of the mentality, and I still sort of have that mentality, and that's been a very hard thing for me to shake. Of just like like in a band, no one really cares if they buy if they love your album. And two of the songs are kind of experiments or weird. Nobody's going to be like, I'm not going to buy this album or this isn't a good musician. Like nobody says that. I mean, Uh, in comedy, it's a very much more about consistency and that's just like a good skill to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's something that like I have definitely struggled with. But my point is just kind of like, 
I would love to be like, um, like some of our friends are doing now. I feel like there's a lot more like, I don't want to make a movie, but like, let's create a web series or let's create a this, or we're always going to have content coming out. And like, I like creating things and I, I want to, it's like as fun as my sketch show was, it's like I did two shows and it's over and nobody's ever going to see it again. Right. And so I would like to do more things that are sort of permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, if that leads to like something cool, that's awesome. But I don't, you know, like I know I would like to, you know, Avery and I have talked about doing another tour. I'd like to do that. And I know that there's a couple of like show ideas that I've had since I've been in comedy that I just really feel like I don't, I wasn't prepared prepared to do i wasn't talent i wasn't skilled enough to do mm-hmm. <laughs> that i'm getting closer to being skilled enough to do um and so those are like the real two things that interest me you know and if that leads to like a career and money and all that other stuff it's like gravy I've, that's that's gravy and i also like i i just i just feel like i am going to keep doing this mm-hmm. and i don't really have a choice of like I, i've always done this i've, mm-hmm. I've been writing something since i was 14 years old so it was songs for a very long time but i've been writing for so long that i just don't see a future where i just go well we're done you know yeah yeah. um and so what would be the next steps in the next year or so uh what are you gonna keep working on so i like i don't i don't know how much i want to talk about this but avery and i are we're planning on doing it again and hopefully we do it bigger and better Mm -hmm. and like um i think the tentative plan is to try to do the Midwest mm-hmm. um, up there and maybe, like I said, mix it in. So it's, you know, it's alt shows and clubs and it's just a mixture. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, totally just alt shows. Um, and then I I think what I'd like to do is there's uh, an idea I've had for a long time, which is um, which is like I've, I've wanted to work. I've tried to work on. It's been like something else has come up or I've been busy or, you know, I – did something else and and so i'd like to do that in some form or fashion i don't know if that's going to be like a web series mm-hmm. or or even a podcast i've toyed around with it being sort of a like a live action podcast but yeah so those would be the two two big things just having creating something of your own um yeah with a group of people that's like a that's you know that could be um either on youtube that you could watch or um I I am interested because people don't do it as much anymore. Is just the sort of sitcom-y uh, shows that I loved when I was a kid. Like I'm a big fan of sort of like uh, Red Dwarf, uh, mm-hmm. the British those British cotton black books, which are very sort of like three people situational, um, silly. Yeah, very absurd. <laughs> very absurd. Yeah. Uh, usually the characters Abfab is like another example of that. Like usually the characters are losers. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. I just love that sort of, and it's not losers in a sort of a South Parkian way. Yeah, that's a word. Sure, <laughs> but it's losers in a sort of they're real people. Like you could you know these people and they're they're people like they're the drunk in your town or they're the, you know the person who's bad at their job. Like I love that sort of. That's my sort of comedy that I like a lot. Well, you can just start making them with iPhones, you know. Yeah, I know. You, I mean, it's easy. It's really easy to make them, but yeah, I think it's it's more of just like I want it to be really good. Yeah. Like I I don't I'm older and I just don't want to put anything out that's like I don't really feel 
proud of anymore. That's that's the that's the big thing for me. Totally, totally. All right, so you got stuff to work on. Um, what's your? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm. It's like I'm entering the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, we'll let you in. Um, what is your worst bomb that you remember? Oh, uh, you know, I have a pre- I have a couple of like really uh, fun open mic bombs. Um, one was um, when I first started doing stand up. I, uh, like my, my girlfriend, now fiance always wanted to come to shows mm. and you do a lot of shows. I mean, I'm not even the most book comic in Austin, but I will do one to two shows a week that mm. are sort of like doing a show. And then you do, and if you add two to three open, I don't do the most open mics either, but if you add yeah. two to three open mics, then we're talking like five or six times a week, yeah. you know? And so your significant other, at least in my case, was like, I want to go. I want to do that. I was like, you don't need to go to the show. It's fine. You don't mm-hmm. need to go. Are you are you mad? Because I'm not going. You know, like that sort of conversation. And I signed up for the CAP open mic mm-hmm. on my birthday and didn't realize it. Like, mm-hmm. I, this is like really early on. So I signed up for the CAP open mic. I am <laughs> I'm at the party and I realize it. I realize like, oh, shit. I'm on the cap open mic. Oh. It's like five o'clock. It's like a happy hour birthday or whatever. Okay. And I'm just, <laughs> and I was like, sorry guys. Uh, I know you're all here for me and there's 20 of you, <laughs> but I got to go. <laughs> Cause I was just so new. I, I didn't feel like I could say yeah. not no to the open mic. Right. And so I go and in the middle, I'm, I'm at the end cause I'm really new. I'm like third, third or fourth to the end. And she comes like right in the middle, right? Right in the middle of your set? No, just or, right in the oh, middle okay. of the open mic. And You didn't know she was coming. No. I was like, Don't come. You know, <laughs> like really please don't come. <laughs> Were you drunk from your birthday house? I, I was a little buzzed. I mean, I wasn't okay. like that wasn't the sort okay. of like um so <laughs> Mac Blake is hosting this open mic, right? And it's not a great crowd. It's like maybe half full. And he's just like and usually sometimes cap is like really nice and there's yeah. like, it's packed. Right. And he's just like, he gets everybody to applaud after every comic. He's like, mm-hmm. like very like the uh, intensely like he would the first comic. And he's like, everybody's applauding. And I am like looking at her cause she's coming. So I don't applaud one time. And he's like, mm-hmm. Oh, Robert Segovia is not applauding out there. <laughs> oh, he's just not applauding. Oh, it's the, you know, he's doing his Mac thing yeah, where he's yeah. like, Oh, he's not, you know, <laughs> And then, like, I I may have missed the applaud cue another time. Uh-huh. And so when I come up, he goes, I know I've told you to applaud for every comic in here. Oh, my God. But I don't want you to, I don't want a sound for Robert Segovia. And so I come up to dead silence. On your like, birthday. On my birthday. Yeah, and I didn't tell anybody it was my birthday right. at the thing. And so, and I just fucking bomb. I mean, they hate me. They hated you from the beginning. Yeah, it was just like, I was done. You know, like, and it was... And I think what Mac thought was that I had been doing, because I had been around longer. Yeah. And he thought I'd been doing stand up and I could somehow make it get out funny. of it or, just, you know, do like I was more seasoned. But yeah, I like just, you would make it funny. Yeah. It'd be great. But I just wasn't. I mean, I was doing my, you You're know. You're just I, plowing through. Your yeah. <laughs> I, you know, like I have eight minutes of material and I'm doing four, four of it here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, and, th- and five of it's not good, you know? And, and like, and so like I do my set and I think Abby Rosenquist told him that it was my birthday. Oh. So she like whispers to him as the, I'm just dying yeah. on stage. And he comes up and it's like, well, uh, <laughs> 
come to find out it's uh it's his birthday and i i, I think uh you know he did something up here you know <laughs> and uh we should maybe applaud him for uh what he did up here <laughs> and so like people are just like oh awkwardly applauding me and uh, and then uh, yeah th- and then he's like so apologetic and he feels really bad and <laughs> but the best part about it really in retro it was it was kind of it wasn't that bad but but it like she never comes. She never comes. Tries to come to open mics anymore. Yeah, which it cured my girlfriend of ever doing that. Yeah, because it was just so like bizarrely. Oh, no. So that's probably my favorite. Well, bomb story. I wonder how many of the people at that mic thought like, is this a weird bit they're doing where the guy doesn't get applause and then they say it's his, and then he does four minutes of bad material and then he's just, really well, there just was, abstract. There, yeah, did they was, write? Did they write four minutes of like new comic level <laughs> material and then? <laughs> yeah and i think there was one joke it was weirdly like one joke worked right in the middle and they laughed at that but then they hated me again like inst- oh. it was and it was very fucking awkward like it's so <laughs> funny i just yeah. wonder you know like did they think that was a little sketch yeah like me and mac on? were doing a thing yeah <laughs> just to mix up the open mic but right at the end yeah, three yeah. people to the end let's do this weird birthday bit <laughs> <laughs> I just love he did, he doesn't know before and why do you say that that's always I've always, I never asked him that but he's like it was his birthday that makes it worse yeah, now they feel sorry worse. for me like they're just like oh this poor <laughs> oh he, god he came to it yeah so that's, that's my so best great. best story that's pretty fun that's, you said you had a second one Oh, oh, did I have a second? You, you said a couple, but maybe that one felt like two in your heart. I mean, that's the best <laughs> one. I mean, that's definitely the best one. I've definitely like. Uh, I think you were there actually. I don't know what these are not. These are all about the cap open mic. I just they. they I remember them hmm. actually. I had one on tour where um, I did. I felt like I did well most nights, but the last night. So let's not talk. Let's not pick on the cap open mic. Sure. But uh, I we did a show um, and they had booked a double booked an, a metal band. Mm. And so the metal band was practicing during the show oh. and I went on last. And so the audience, the small audience that we had was really drunk and they were heckling. Like there was this one table that it was just talking through the whole thing and people had tried to stop them. I tried to stop them right at the beginning, but with the metal band, like playing and them it's like permission to heckle. Yeah. Point. It's just like the sound was so sort of like, uh, intense <laughs> And I, you know, I would do a joke. I think uh, one of the comics thought it was funny. I got a big laugh because I was like, hey, can you guys just listen to this one joke? Like in the middle of that set, <laughs> and people just laugh. But so it didn't go, it wasn't a total bomb. There was like, sometimes the sound would go down and then you could tell a joke, but then the sound would come back up and you were just like kind of dancing. But the guy, <laughs> the guy was like, um, I said something like this is, you know, I did the negative comic thing that you do. And, and he was just like, yeah, but I'm killing it. The guy who had been talking <laughs> with this group of people. And I go, yes, sir. And I wish you would kill yourself. <laughs> and la- the audience just laughed. It was very like, they were just like, that was the biggest laugh I got of that yeah. set. And the guy goes, and the guy goes, well, maybe I will later. You know, like he had no he was, shame. He was trying to be <laughs> he was shameless. Yeah. It's like, yeah. cause I've always been in those, I've been in those situations before where you have a heckler. And then you're just like, you try, you try to be nice, you try to kind of do it, and then you're just like, all right, you know, we're we're doing it, you're either, I'm going to say something really mean, and you're either going to be quiet, 
or you're going to be mad at me. Yeah. Like, I know that that's the choice, but I've never been in that situation where you did that, you said that line, and the guy had such, he was just jollily, like, still talking. He was just, like, happy. He's like, oh, sure, I'll kill myself later, you know? <laughs> well, I, he was, <laughs> yeah, he was hoping he would still get the bigger laugh, and everyone, I'm sure, was just like, no. yeah, whatever, buddy. Yeah. Kill yourself later. <laughs> hey, um, what's the best piece of advice that's ever been given you related to comedy, preferably? Uh, the, one, uh, uh, the one I always think about is uh, J.Y. Cotton, I was doing some joke, and I, one of my rare, I had this bad political joke that I used to do, and um, it was like about libertarians, and I had, but I had this part at the beginning that was about me being in a, on a, in a car in a highway, and he just looked at me, he was like, what's, what does that have to do with your joke? Mm-hmm. And like, I think, I think about that all the time, you know, it's like, jokes have to be sort of very sort of specific, and Stand-up is really, I mean, some people can do it great, but they, but the people that you think are going on tangents actually have a point to what they're doing. Right. And so that's the, I try to think about that all the time when I'm like kind of going off and talking about a subject that isn't a joke. Like, what's the joke? Cut unnecessary details. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times the thing that you're actually, the joke that you're actually making, like you came up with it in the context of you were driving and you were like, and then I was having this conversation. And, and, and if you just take a moment to be like, what's the actual joke? Do yeah. we need how do, how can I introduce this in a way that's economical, yeah. right? Instead of burdensome. Because I think I mean I've had a lot of times where there's like this thing that's even like tangentially related that's kind of funny, but then when you look at the joke, you're like, there's nowhere I can put this, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense in here. So I just have to get yeah. rid of it. You know, I I think that with some jokes sometimes, and then I realize it's completely obvious how to transition. This yeah, and sometimes yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, why have I been thinking I had to mention my wedding in order to get this joke out? Like, yeah, it's it's there's a million ways to bring this up, but yeah, you all a lot of I mean, I do it so many times where there's so much explanation, and you're just like, you don't need that explanation. You could just say like, it, that's what it really is. It's like you could just say, and he, I think he said something to me to that effect. You just say this line right <laughs> and then you're in the joke right and then it's a funny two minute joke instead of a not funny four minute thing that you're doing right you know exactly um is there anything that when you go to open mics and you see younger comics doing like this one sort of hacky premise or anything like that that you would wish they would stop doing uh i don't know i mean i'm always i don't really I, maybe i just don't think i'm good enough to really like say that but i I do, I do think it's like, I do think that there's some people who are really, really good about the, I always call them the two P's, uh, pot and, uh, penises slash pushies. And like some people are really good about talking about relationships and some people are really good about talking about doing drugs, Mm -hmm. but not everybody is. And yeah. it's kind of like a love song. It's like when you hear a good love song, you're like, yeah, but you hear a lot of love songs. Right. And I, I, I would just say that there are a lot of comics that they'll have, you'll see them do a set and they'll just have one joke that's not on those subjects. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, man, that's what you're interested in. That's cool, man. You should always do jokes about comic books or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Or you should always do jokes about this sort of obscure subject that for whatever reason, that's what you like to talk about. You're talking about this other stuff because you think you'll get a cheap laugh and you think it's easy. And there's other people in the scene that are like maestros of talking about this. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 that's the one thing I just think I would love it if stand up was a little bit more diverse in its subject matter. Yeah. It's something I think about a lot because 
I mean, I talk about sex a lot, and it's like I don't think that I have anything else in common with everybody. Well, you, I mean, the, the, I think it's just point of view. I mean, you're great at it. I mean, I'm not saying that because, but but it's because you have like a specific point of view. Right. Yes. You have something to say. If you're just a heterosexual dude saying, oh, women, right. you know, like yeah. it's like, it's one of those things. It's like, it's a disadvantage in comedy because we've heard it. Right. We've heard the best people do it possibly. Right. You know, and. And they're really obsessed with it. I mean, I think like some people are really obsessed with that. If you're mm-hmm. not, I, that's what I always think. Right. It's like, if what's the thing I'm always thinking about? Right. What are I'm, you obsessed with? What am that's I obsessed good... with? You know, and like, it's hard because I'll do jokes about things and I'll be like, you know, some of these jokes are all right, but I don't care about this. So when I deliver it, it's awful. You know, like, and I, I just think it's like, it's hard to do. I mean, I guess this is a dumb way of saying find your voice sort of, you know, like a broader way. But I just think it's like there are things that you're interested in your life yeah, that I are really I, unique. Everybody's kind of unique in some certain way. It's just figuring out yeah. what that is. Yeah, I don't think it has to be as like vague and amorphous as find your voice. I mean, you know, because that is hard to know how to do that. But it is a thing of what are you obsessed with? Like sometimes I listen to people telling jokes and I'm like, Really? Do you even give a shit about that? Joke? Yeah, yeah. Like what? Yeah, what kind of books do you read? What kind of TV shows do you watch? What kind of music? Or, def- or what do you? Yeah, yeah what do you and, think about? And I've definitely been that person. You know, like I, I think that that's an easy thing to get because you just are like, you don't. It's hard to tap into that sometimes, and you're so in it that you can't. You know, like right. Brett has a lot of great jokes about anime. Oh, oh yeah. I was gonna say suicide, but suicide. Yeah. And- hey, you know, I, I try and reach that thirteen-year-old boy audience yeah. really well. But that's what I mean. But you could tell that you're excited about telling that. And anime yeah. jokes, there's something. It, there is a fine line about like trying to make sure you can talk to a broad audience. But there's a lot of stuff like anime where I'm not into it, but I yeah. can still get the joke most of the time. You know, and so I think it is good to like, yeah, if you're into anime, if there's anything that you're into, first of all, there are other people who are really into it, and anytime they're in your audience, they're gonna really like like it yeah and then just make sure that you tell jokes that people can still get even if they don't have all that background knowledge. yeah like uh like your t-shirt slogans things like general enough right. yeah, general everyone enough, can kind yeah. of understand the premise whether or not they get the specific reference right. yeah I'm, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, i mean i think i think those are the jokes that i mean i just think those are the jokes that work the best like i'm obsessed with my father I'm upset, you know, when I was a kid. <laughs> Robert I, Segovia Sr. Yeah, well, I'm just, he's so weird, you know, and it's just like, I just, he, I can't get my finger on him. Dude, if anybody that you have in your life who's really interesting, totally mind them for Yeah, and, I, and it's like, that is, I have a closer relationship with my mother, but it doesn't like, it just doesn't, like, I don't think about it that way, you know? When I was a kid, I was really into like, serial killers yeah. you know so like that is uh i'm always excited to talk about it because i'm i can channel like oh i remember being this age and this yeah. was like fun and and that sort of thing so. and that makes sense too in the sense of like when you see a comic really having fun on stage you enjoy the overall set more because you're having fun with them right and like i don't mind when people laugh at their own jokes like but i think yeah just if you're really passionate about something, I mean, it's going to carry over. That's, I mean, totally. I just went on tour with, one of, she's one of my favorite comics and Avery is so excited about what she's talking yeah. about. And like, I am in awe and also slash jealous it's of that. So, but yeah, I've never seen Avery get on stage in any context and ever just be like, eh, all right, well, this is going to be one of those <laughs> yeah. sets. All right, I mean, you, yeah. she's like, we're going to have fun. Yeah. I mean, that is her vibe. I mean, like yeah. we are going to have fun. And like, 
I don't always do that. I mean, I, but I think that's something to strive for totally. of just like, just like be that person. And she, you know, I mean, she's probably talked about it. Like she laughs on stage at her own jokes and it's great. Yeah. I mean, like when I, it's genuine, yeah, it's good. Every now and then there's someone who laughs at their own jokes in a way where you can tell they always laugh at that point and it's a little forced and you're like, okay, well don't, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's like, to me, it's like, if you're in, because they're not enthusiastic about it, right. it's like so uh, planned and prepped. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of funny though. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start laughing at my own jokes <laughs> in a clearly fake way, <laughs> like an English <laughs> butler. <laughs> you should just huh. have like one really mm. very fake laugh. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, what would you go back if you could tell yourself something in the first year to change the course of the rest of your life? In the first year of stand up, what would you tell you? What would uh, you tell you? Do your good jokes at the Valve and Cap. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, not everyone realizes that. Yeah, I mean, I again, I like, I didn't really realize that, uh, and I'm probably still being, I'm still hurt, hurts me, but I. Definitely when I was newer, and I still do this, unfortunately, I will bail on the set I'm going to do because I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh, I really like these jokes. I don't want them to die here. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, again, I deal with sort of just general confidence issues. Like I just, I just do. I don't know why that is. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm like, and maybe it's just being a, I think I am like borderline manic depressive. So like sometimes I'm really confident where it's like almost ridiculous. And sometimes I'm just like, sure. Yeah, I can't do it. Uh, I think all comics also have that because the stage creates like your perform your last performance affects how you feel so much that it it enhances any amount of bipolar, even mild bipolar inclinations that we already have. But I just think it's like if I, you know, because for a long time before I kind of, you know, and I'm just getting out of this before I really figured out like how to make, how to write in Mm -hmm. a real way, you know, like jokes used to come to me that there were good ones came like it felt like god had bestowed them on me yeah like rant i was like i don't know how this happened and i can't reproduce it but Mm -hmm. this rules uh, (laughs) that i have this now (laughs) and you know and so for a while there there i had like six to eight minutes of good material Mm -hmm. and maybe 10 if we were like really squeezing the lemon there Mm -hmm. and i should have been doing that at open mics and like also writing and at the at the lower level open mics like working on stuff and i think i got into this thing where i was either i just didn't have a plan Mm -hmm. i didn't have a plan for the open mic i think that's what it is it's like have a plan stick to the plan that's hard to do Mm -hmm. still have trouble doing that but it's like it's going to help you in the long run like it may be painful to stick to the plan when you're up there Mm -hmm. but you're going to feel better about like just at least saying your jokes Mm-hmm. And the ones you wanted to say and not some stupid thing that you didn't want to do right. really. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like uh, when you know you're going to fail a test and so you don't study so no one can tell you. Yes. You know, it's yeah. like an anti-vulnerability thing. Yeah. And so it's like, that's what I would say. It's like study for the test. And yeah. if you fail it, you're going to fail it. You're going to fail a lot of these tests and just study again. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Study for the test and try your best. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to rhyme. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Oh, that would be on our t-shirts. Yeah. Study for your test and try Hashtag your best. Hashtag stand-up comedy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hashtag education. Well, we're not as coordinated as we're supposed to be. I know. I'm a, I'm a little bit behind. I believe she's giving me a nod to ask you a question. Okay. What are we doing? Uh, I'm... I'm 
I, I are you gotta, stumped on the question? I'm, I'm a little stumped. It's what would you change about the Austin comedy scene? Yes. Oh. What would you change? Oh man. Um. I. Hmm. I think that people should be a little bit more. I think people should not trust their taste so much. Okay, go on. I think that people think that comedy is supposed to be a certain way, mm. and they. Um, I wish people would. Okay, I guess this is opposite. Actually, I think people should trust their taste. I get annoyed at shows that are supposedly independent shows that are basically booking from the clubs. Mm. It's like, why do you have a show? Mm-hmm. Like, if you are, if you're not Cap City or The Valve, you should be booking your own show to show to Cap City and The Valve. It shouldn't be the other way around. Mm-hmm. People shouldn't have to like go through that to get on your show. And mm. I, you see that so many times when people are booking the same six people for shows and I don't know if that's, you know, I'm in some internet groups and I'm not in others, but I don't know what, you know, I, I've what definitely, the calculus yeah, is. what the calculus, and I've gotten on shows because of that and it's not me, but there's other, there's just people, there's comics that I'll see that it'll take them so long that I just think are just hilariously funny and then they finally, they're just finally getting on these things and then there'll be other comics that you're just like, really like all of a sudden a a bunch of people a bunch of shows will book someone where you're like oh someone decided to let them in." yeah i mean you know and and we all know that it's planned like it's not and so if you're to me if you're doing that then what's the point of your show yeah that there should be one show that's doing i'm not saying you could all come to the same conclusion where you book the same great comic it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say maybe i should let vanessa gonzalez headline my show yeah i can understand if she's headlining five (laughs) shows that's not what i'm saying it's not even the uniformity of it it's just i just think people should be i i feel like i should go to a show and be like oh this is the way show x is booked this Mm -hmm. is the kind of comic i can see this is what they like yeah i know you should have um some some branding if you will to your show but yeah if you want to build an audience then there needs to be it's hard because you want to be able to book everybody and, and do favors and pay back favors yeah, to, no, to no. some extent as well but you should always be booking a good show for one first and foremost but also yeah they need to have some level of what is a show that Robert Segovia puts on what is this show that yeah. I could come to going to be like because can I take my mom to it can I take my friends from work to it you know yeah um, and, and what is like yeah I mean I just think it's like I would love to see I don't know. I I think somebody who does a real, I think a really good job of this Mm -hmm. is Chortle Portal. Like it feels like it has its own sort of thing. And I feel like there's like, there is something about that show that's very specific. And I'm like, oh, this is not like every other Austin show that I would go to. They're putting on comics sometimes that I don't even know. Mm -hmm. Probably because they're from UT, Mm -hmm. which is totally fair. You know, it's like, that's cool. I mean, like, so what is your UT in your show? You know, I'm not saying you have to book all the comics that way, but one or two that I'm just going to go, oh, I want to go to your show because I would have never seen this comic yeah. if I didn't go to the show, you know? And I, I, that, that's what I would wish a little bit more. People, people booking shows that are, I mean, it really what it comes down to is people that book shows that actually go out to other shows and go yeah. out to see open mics and go out and go and do the work of just like, I love this comic. Nobody knows about them yet. Right. I'm going to book them on the it's show. It's the most fun thing to put newer comics on a show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who are good. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's do endorsements. Uh, so I don't know if y'all are prepared this week. 
Um, for oh, this is one. I yeah, if there's anything comedy related, any stand-up specials or podcasts or anything that you've oh. listened to or have enjoyed that you preferably, like to I'm gonna try endorse. to look, start limiting this to prep like either a stand-up comic or. <laughs> Um, and, and you can say like and a particular album or, or special or something if you want or like a podcast it was too broad before with all the I don't you know what I don't want to hear about with any more YouTube caveats. series I'm never yeah. going to get around to it um, <laughs> so I'll start um, so a bunch of comics in LA told me about this guy named Sebastian Maniscalco do y'all know who that is? No, but I love his name. Sounds yeah. like a Count of Monte Cristo villain. Sounds like <laughs> Ethan knows who Sebastian is. Do you, Ethan? What's funny, so I never heard of him. Apparently, he's huge. Okay. Um, I don't remember the statistics they were giving me, like the number two most famous comic in the world. I, I don't know. Some, or, you know, best paid, something. I don't know. So he's this Italian guy who, um, it's doing, it's... <laughs> I just love this no because it's very like it's almost refreshing how he doesn't he's not you would think in if you were just listening to it you might think that this you know his album was recorded 20 years ago or something because yeah. it's just straight up like I'm gonna talk about my fucking Italian family and I'm gonna talk about stereotype and and it's got just kind of refreshing to have a voice from right now who is just He's like, no, straight up, this is what my life is like. Now, I mean, if he's doing a Larry the Cable Guy thing, I will feel like a real idiot, but I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. A Larry the I think Italian he, Guy? Yeah. <laughs> <Larry>. <laughs> okay. So, it's the best. <laughs> he just made the whole <laughs> Maniscalco is not a real name. No. Uh, so, anyway, but it's very fun. I, I would say give it at least three tracks before you're like, I already know what this is. Yeah. Um, at least on the most recent album. Um, but it, it, I'm really enjoying it. I've only listened to the first half of the album because I just started yesterday but I'm really uh, I'm really enjoying it and I you know it's just one of those people that you should probably know who it is because okay apparently it's a thing <laughs> I can't tell <laughs> was that a hiccup or a commentary on okay <laughs> <laughs> alright Brett um, I'd like to endorse uh, Christina P's uh, new Netflix special it's called like Mother Inferior she is a stand-up comedian. She was married to Tom Segura, who's also uh, getting up there. Like I more would say people. Tom Segura is married to her, but okay. Th- that's, hey, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Shame on me. Um, but it's like, it's a really, like, I saw her open for him, and some of the jokes were familiar, but a lot of them were new because she just had a kid. But she just has, like, a really strong, fresh voice. Um, and I say fresh. She's been doing this a long time. But I say fresh, but just because I feel like it's a... Uh, it's a strong female comic that we haven't heard from before. And that's why I think uh, everyone should give it a watch for right. sure. Um, all right. There's two things that come to mind. One's on YouTube, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. You said no YouTube, but it's uh, not like a YouTube series. No, it's not a series. It's, it's, uh, I don't usually like, uh, share things from my friends unless I really, really like them. And I do, I really love night quest, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, Joe Toller and Tim Lavoie created yes. and yes. our, and our friends, Rob Gagnon, Avery Moore and, uh, Pat Dean are uh, <laughs> star in. And like, I think it's a really, it takes 14 minutes to watch the first episode, but it's something that you feel like you could see on adult swim. Like it's one of those things where sometimes your friends make something and you're like, I mm-hmm. see what you're trying to do, but yeah. I don't think it's ever going to, this is, I'm like, Oh, they've, they've cr- really done it. Holy crap. My friends might be famous and maybe they'll let me into the convention <laughs> center when they're doing that, you know, like oh. it, you know, so I definitely recommend that. Um, I really love, uh, 
just a podcast. Uh, if you're into politics at all, politically reactive with Kamal Bell and Hari Kulnavola. I'm Con- not Kanabolo. Kanabolo. See, I'm gonna mess Kanabolo. that up. Yeah. Hari Kanabolo. Yeah, there you go. That was right. Yeah. Yeah. Hari Kondabolu. Yeah, we yeah. did it. Uh, but I just <laughs> how think it's... How many white people, whitish? Yeah, how many? Well, yeah, yeah. T- I don't know. <laughs> but I, I do like, I mean, speaking of whitish people, there are a lot of... Uh, whitish people would get a good tour for <laughs> some Hispanic just me. or whatever. It's me, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, on this scene. Well. Yeah, like <laughs> half Mexican, half white. Uh, but, but as I like, you know, a brown person, uh, I like that one because it comes from the point of view that I you know it's it's kind of like why I like Master of None and like mm-hmm. I really relate to some of those episodes is because I feel like if you just don't want the sort of uh NPR version which I honestly a lot of podcasts that are that think they're like socialist left-leaning uh, just all feel like different versions of NPR. It's like NPR with cuss words and like, sure. I get it, you know, but it's coming from the same point of view, which is like this privileged upper class. Yeah. I think they do a good job of bringing in guests that you're like, Oh, I never even knew that was happening. And like black Lives matter people. And like just a different point of view than the sort of regular standard Cool. Podcast. Cool, cool, cool. Political podcast. All right. Uh, let's do plugs. Um, so this is going to be coming out on Thursday, November 2nd. Um, so I'll start, give you all some time. Tonight, you at 8 p.m. can come to the Coven where we do the all women's booked mic situation. And then, more importantly, come to. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, you know, I'm not kidding. It is uh, much more important to come to my show at 9.30 off script, where not only are we going to be um, doing our standard heckling aloud and encouraged thing, but also it's going to be all crowd work. And, of course, there's free pizza and drinks and prizes. And, Robert, are you going to be joining us for that? I will will be doing off script. I will be doing Ariel's show and um, drinking uh, free drinks and... Yeah, Robert's going to be there. Avery's going to be there. It's almost like an extension of the Send Your Fascist to Hell tour. <laughs> Ariel uh, planned it. It was great. I, you know, I don't even know if like, how that came together. It kind of might have been an accident. And then, of course, you should go to Spike Club at 11 o'clock at the Velveeta Room. Hey, do y'all remember who's... It's Amber Bixby and Nick Saverino. Nick Saverino. Oh, so classic, that should be a fun one. Classic, classic, classic. And if you're listening in New Orleans on Friday, I'll be at some kind of show... At the Dragon's Den, so at eight thirty. So join me on that, and then. Um, uh, I think uh, the the only other thing I'm doing this weekend is yeah. um, on Friday at the Velveeta Room. I'm doing um, the show where you do your last joke called. Oh yeah, first I'll leave you with this. I'll leave, I'll leave you with this. Uh, so that I think I believe is at nine o'clock. Uh, is it at nine or eleven? It might be at eleven. It's at eleven o'clock at the Velveeta Room. Probably eleven. <laughs> yeah. So that's a time. Yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, so that'll be this Friday. So yeah. And if my New Orleans trip gets canceled, I will be on that show too. But hopefully, well, I'll be well, in New Orleans. <laughs> Dragons Den is great. So you should is come out. Cool? Yeah, in New Orleans, if you're out there, you should do it. Thanks. Uh, I. In a strange turn of events, I'm in, I'm in a bit of a booking dip at the moment. So I got no shows coming up this week, but I do have a birthday. So if you could just send that money and, uh, by and check bookings. Or, and bookings, you so know. Money or bookings. So birthday, money or bookings. Don't make her go to the cat mic on her birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To boot off the stage. She Give signed me up all for the, the cat drink mic. tickets. She needs a show. <laughs> <laughs> what day is your birthday? Uh, this Saturday, actually. All right, Brett is plugging her birthday. Yes. Saturday nice. the fourth. You could come laugh at me. Is anyone invited to? I haven't. Out bu- with you? I haven't built an event yet because I'm just like hoping turning, to get booked on a show. Yeah, or you know, turning 24 and also yeah, 24. 
So Well, you know, enjoy it now. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it only gets more. In yeah. every way. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, great. I'm going to go pee. Um, see you guys next week. International.